I want to preach today on the subject I've entitled the uncommon church volunteer. You see, many people, they want to have awesome goals for the year, but they don't have a Christian lifestyle. They don't have goals for their lifestyle, who they're going to be. And they also don't put church into the equation. Have you noticed that? How many of you people have asked you the question, so what's up this year? How many of you, how many of you have had people ask you that question? Okay, you don't want to raise your hand because you know that it's a trick question, right? What was your response? Did you just talk about the money you're going to make and the business you're going to start? How many of you put church somewhere in that equation? You see, the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. If you're someone who's seeking first the kingdom, then you must also be seeking the well-being of the local church. Why? The local church is God's primary vehicle for advancing his kingdom. Amen? So anyone who's a proper disciple, how many disciples do we have here? Where you're a disciple of Christ. If you're a disciple of Christ, you can't say, I'm a disciple of Christ, but I don't care about the local church. You can't. And if you don't care about the local church, it means that you weren't discipled properly. Amen? This is, this is foundation Christianity. We're not here to preach things that tickle your ears. Amen. We're here to preach the word of God. So I want to encourage you because the sad thing on the African continent is that we've got a consumer mentality when it comes to church instead of a producer mentality. I mean, if you know what the difference is, the consumer mentality is, ah, no, I like going to that church because hey, I'm always so blessed when I'm there. You know what I'm talking about? Ah, I'm no longer blessed there. Now I'm blessed here. And we treat church like it's a fast food restaurant. Ah, what are we going to do after church? Ah, mom, 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 let's go to Steers. Let's go to KFC. Let's go here. Let's go there. And we treat church like that. But I believe that the mindset needs to shift from a consumer mentality to a producer mentality. Your church should be better because you are part of it. Amen. How I many of you can agree with me and say, you know what, because I'm a part of Go Christian Church, we're more effective. Because I'm a part of Go Christian Church, we're more fruitful. Because I'm a part of Go Christian Church, there's more cash available. How I many of you can honestly say to me that the church is better off because of your presence? Ladies and gentlemen, that's the producer mentality. Our job as ministers of the gospel is to equip the saints. It's to equip you to be effective in your ministry. Amen? Our job isn't to just, oh, let's bless you. Oh, you are blessed. Oh, you are blessed. And the next week you come, oh, was I blessed? Ah, the worship didn't bless me this week. Oh, no, now this week it's blessed me. Because it's not about you. It's not about me. Amen? God wants to shift dimensions in our lives. Now, here's the interesting thing. It's not just about signing up. You see, what's going to be happening is that next week, we're going to have an opportunity. We've got people going to the Joburg Church, and we're going to need active participation, right? So we're actually going to have the different heads of various sections, whether it's children's ministry, different parts of the church, right? All around this particular venue, and there'll be lists made available. And after the service, you'll be able to actually go and sign up with these particular people to say, I want to be involved in this area, this area, and that area. And you'll have an opportunity to think about these areas throughout the week. Amen? That where does God want me to be actively involved? Have you noticed that a lot of people stop coming to church simply because they're not actively involved? They stop coming to church because they're like, well, why am I here? Is it just to listen to a message that motivates me? All right? So it's not just about signing up because many of you next week, you're going to sign up and you're going to say, look, I want to be involved here. I want to be involved here. I want to be involved here. But we want to talk this morning about the marks of an uncommon volunteer. What do you actually do? What's your attitude when you're actually involved? Amen. Number one. The uncommon volunteer does everything for God. When you're serving the Lord, when you're serving in your local church, you're doing it for the Lord. You're not doing it for anyone. You're not doing it for man. Amen. The Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 3, 
verse 23 to 24. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you're serving. Amen? Whatever you are doing, whether you're singing on stage, whether you're serving in children's ministry, whether you are playing the piano, the mindset must be, I'm doing this for the Lord. Amen? Now, when you're doing whatever you're doing for the Lord, there'll be a spirit of excellence. There'll be a spirit of excellence. So my question is, think about where you volunteer in this church, those of you who do, okay? Think about the quality of your volunteering, what you do. If you saw that volunteering, that act of service, if you saw it as worship unto the Lord, how pleased are you with it? And those of you who aren't actively volunteering, Ask yourself, if you saw that inactivity as worship unto the Lord, how would you assess yourself? Amen? When you're doing everything for God, you have a spirit of excellence. Whether I'm running a Bible study group or preaching to hundreds of people, I should still prepare. Amen? I can't just wing it. This message that I'm preaching to you, I've preached before. I've preached it before. But my wife will tell you that yesterday, what did I say to her? I went somewhere with her and I said, cool, you can do what you'll be doing. I'll be just praying through my message. So as you hear point one being preached, know that I've already prayed for you concerning point one. Amen? That Father, may you take this church to another level where we do everything as unto the Lord. I could have picked up this message and winged it, but I've learned that you can preach a message that sounds good, but no hearts are changed. Amen? Now, you're not seeing me when I'm preparing. You're not seeing how much time I'm spending doing so. You're not seeing it, right? It's something that's happening in the background. But because I'm doing it for God, not primarily for you, because I'm doing it as worship unto the Lord, I can't compromise. Amen? Do you see your acts of service as something that you are doing for the Lord? Their motives are pure because of that, right? Their love has no hooks because they're doing it for the Lord. Do you know what love with a hook is? It's when you're doing something, but you've got an agenda. I'm doing A, B, C, D so that you recognize me. I'm telling you X, Y, Z so that you respect me more, okay? As we go into this year, please make your serving in your local church something that you prioritize and make sure you're doing it for the Lord, not for showmanship. Amen? They've got a covenant with God. A covenant is basically an agreement you have with God, a holy and sanctified agreement where God is involved. I want to encourage you to make covenants with God. I'm sharing with you secrets of success this morning. People who make covenants with God. What do I mean? What do I mean? I remember some years ago, the Lord spoke to my wife and, she, and he said, she, I'm talking about, and you know what the Lord said to her? He said, take care of what's mine. And he was talking about his local church. Take care of what's mine and I'll take care of what's yours. How many of you know that that's a covenant? Take care of what's mine and I'll take care of what's yours. Some of you are running small groups. Make covenants with God concerning those small groups. God, as we open our house to people, our home to people, and we are hospitable to them, and as we sow into their lives, may you enrich our marriage. Amen? Some of you are working in Go Kids. Lord, as we sow into other people's children, may we have no issues with our own. Those are covenants you make with God that even when people don't appreciate you, even when the children, even when our children, Emma Banda, are difficult or rude, right? You will know I've got a covenant with God and this is why I'll keep pouring into these kids. Amen? And in the process, you'll see breakthrough and more breakthrough with your own children. Amen? I want to encourage us to be mature about how we serve in the local church. Some people say, well, what are the secrets to wealth? What are the secrets to success? Some of the secrets are found here, ladies and gentlemen. Seeking first the kingdom of God, which manifests very often as the local church. 
They're consistent. These people are consistent with many and with few. When you're, when you're doing something for God, you have the same level of excellence, whether you're doing it in a rural area or whether you're doing it where there's lots of paparazzi. Amen? An important principle here is they know that God is their rewarder. They know that God is their rewarder. The Bible says, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Amen? God will reward you. God is watching. Now here's the catch. The moment you start doing these things for man and start saying, why haven't they thanked me? Why aren't they acknowledging me? You know what you're doing? You're tying God's hands and you're breaking that covenant because you're no longer doing it for God. See, God's mindset is as long as you're doing it as pure worship for me, this is your reward. The moment you're now looking for reward from man and the praise that comes from man and the honor from man, you're actually short-circuiting the favor of God in your life. Amen. Are you getting something this morning? You see, people want New Year's messages to be, show me how I can prosper. I'm showing you how you can prosper. I'm showing you the technology of kingdom wealth just by this point. Okay? Thank you, oh Joba guides. Oh Joba guides. What will we do when you've gone? Okay? Now, next week when you go and you're signing up, membership is also important, isn't it? Because some of those people will say to you, that's great, we want you to be involved but for this one, you need to first be a member. So at the end of the month, last Sunday of every month, if you're considering membership, you'll have an opportunity to go to a membership class, right? Just about 20 minutes where we explain to you what this ministry is about. Then you can sign up. Amen? Because we want to know you. We want to know you. We don't want people who are looking after our kids and so on. And then we find out, ah, this person actually is a, you can fill in the blank. Okay? So we need to know you. We need to know what you're about. Amen. We want you to be involved. So membership is going to be important. When you do it for God, you focus on his reward and not man's. Ephesians 6 verse 8 says, Knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. This is the principle of sowing and reaping. It doesn't just say he'll just be rewarded anyhow. I want you to see the secret here. I want you to see the technology of success here. It says, knowing that whatever good thing each one does. How many of you did a good thing this weekend? <laughs> okay. It says, this he will receive back from the Lord. Are you seeing the power here? The reward very often will come in the very thing that you are doing for others. Now you hear some people saying, ah, no, that shouldn't be the motive. You should just do it because you love. I'm just doing it because I just love people. Love just oozes out of me. Now that's fine, you can do that, but the Bible gives us permission to love people and then to look to God for our reward. Isn't that powerful? To be able to say, I'm sewing all these clothes, but I will never lack when it comes to attire. Amen? I am giving this basket of groceries to the poor and the marginalized. I will never lack when it comes to groceries. I am sowing and ministering into other people's lives, other children's children, other people's children. I will never lack when it comes to my own. Isn't God good? It says this he will receive. What does it mean by this? The very thing you've sown. Number two, the uncommon volunteer takes initiative. One of the worst things is, is working with people who always ask for permission for everything. You know what I'm talking about. And they only do things if they're asked to do them. And if there's no one giving them a command or an instruction, they don't do anything. When you're an uncommon volunteer, you take ownership. You say, this is my church. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not my church. Don't say Paul's church, right? This is our church. And you take initiative. 
There was a family that saw that some of the carpets, you know, the carpet tiles were peeling off, coming out. And they saw that, wait a minute, we are handy. We are skilled in a certain way. And they decided, let's come. They said, pastor, can, can we have access to the church? Saturday mornings as a family, we just want to come. There are things we believe in God for. They did it from revelation. I wasn't going to stop them. They did it from, from revelation. And I know that some of the things they were believing God for have already come through. And over a number of weeks, these guys would come. They would paint. They painted the green corner. They provided in terms of those chairs there. They fixed doors, fixed locks, uh, glued up things. I didn't ask them to do that. Often I walk, walk around the church. I see the problems. I see the gaps. Right? But it's powerful. An uncommon volunteer. What do they do? They take initiative. And I know that this family has got testimony since then. I know that there's been a promotion. I know stuff has happened in their lives. Family breakthrough with extended family, all sorts of things. And I know that it's directly linked to what they did because they had a covenant with the Lord. Amen? And they weren't doing it for praise. That's why I'm not even mentioning their names. They said, but pastor, just remember, please don't say anything about it. We don't want people to know that it was us. Amen? Make covenants with God this year. So the uncommon volunteer takes initiative. Ephesians 6 verse 6 to 7. Not by way of eye service as men pleases, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from where? From the heart. Not because you've been coerced. Okay? With good will will render service as to the Lord and not to men. So what happens with these people, here's some characteristics when you take initiative. They serve beyond their job description. So their mindset isn't just, oh, yeah, I mean, go kids. And then they have blinkers as they walk out of the church. No, I mean, go kids. But wait a minute, I saw that there were no door greeters. So let me greet people. Yes, I'm serving go kids. But I noticed that, that um, there was no one at the first time visitor. And there was a first time visitor sitting there. So I went to greet them. Amen. It was wonderful seeing Loazi last week, speaking to the first-time visitors, right? He was speaking to them, taking initiative. He knew what to do. He's not from that area. That's not his department, but he took ownership. He took initiative. Amen? They're non-reliant. You know those people who have to be reminded about everything? They won't come to Ignite. That's our monthly time of worship and prayer. They won't come unless they get an SMS reminder. How many of you know that if you are mature as a believer and you operate on covenant, do you know what you do? You have a mindset that says, you know what, I'll always go to Ignite when I can because that's my opportunity to do what Mariki was talking about. It's my opportunity to be praying for other people and praying for the church. And I know that my breakthrough lies there. Amen? That's the mindset. Please, if you don't come to Ignite, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. But I know that some of us who go to Ignite consistently when we are around, their covenants linked to our attendance and our prayers. Amen? We understand that. They don't wait to be asked. I don't need someone reminding me to say, oh, there's the GOP basket this month. Please, can you, please just remember we're doing the GOP feeding people. Right? Why? I'm doing it by revelation. Amen? They see how their area affects everything else. So someone who's in multimedia, for example, if they're an uncommon volunteer, they understand how multimedia, if something happens to the video camera right now and things break and the sound is not good, they understand that there's a live feed right now and we've got people in the Middle East watching us. I don't know if you guys know. We've got people in Switzerland right now watching us. We've got people who haven't yet come back from holiday watching us. So if there's no spirit of excellence in the multimedia, it affects many different things. I want to encourage you, whatever you do in this church, please understand we are going global. Amen? Amen. Whatever we're doing now, whatever you're crafting, whatever you're designing, if it's a booklet, if it's the website, if it's social media, we can't have typos on our social media. Amen? There has to be a spirit of excellence because it's going where? Global. Amen. That's why we have checks and balances. They're crafted, they're edited, and so on, then goes into the nations. Everything you're doing. As we plant more churches, people are going to be coming and saying, so how do you guys select your songs? 
Those of you in band have to know what the principles are that my wife taught some time back on song selection. Amen? Someone got that. Thank you for the one amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hopefully it's not another Job per guide. Okay? John 5, verse 40. Now I've already given... I've given you that. I've already given you that. Okay? Some people think they love the church, but they just love their section. There's a problem with that. Love the whole church. Amen? See how your area affects other areas. Take initiative. Some of you have seen that there are babies that have been born. Some of you love hospitality, and maybe you're good at organizing baby showers. Why can't we have that as a ministry in this church? Someone who's just brilliant in terms of baby showers and um, birthday functions. Just to make people feel blessed. How many of you have the gift of hospitality in this church? Okay, I'm seeing hands going up. Sign up for hospitality. There'll be a section next week, hospitality. Sign up. Some of you are passionate about deco. Sign up. Amen. Number three, the uncommon volunteer has a servant heart. They have a servant heart. Okay? Matthew chapter 20, verse 27 to 28. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. Let me just say something. We never graduate, and please listen carefully, we never graduate from serving. People who are uncommon volunteers, their mindset and their mentality is nothing is beneath me. Amen? Nothing is beneath me. And please, when I talk about acts of service, I'm talking about stuff that is necessary. Now, if a pastor has a very big Bible, you know those big King James Bibles and a thesaurus and so on, then it makes sense to come and say, Pastor, can I carry your Bible for you? So that he can greet people. Amen? But if a pastor has a tablet... If I'm using a tablet or an iPad or something like that, it's okay. I'll just, I'll hold it. I don't need you to come and say, Pastor, can I, can I hold your tablet? Can I hold your tablet? Are you hearing me this morning? All right. So I'm talking about service that makes a difference. Doing the menial tasks. There's some people who've got a mentality where they think that, no, because I'm a CEO in my organization or I'm an MD, there's certain things I do in church, but other things are beneath me. You know that mindset? Let me say something. The moment we walk through that door, the moment we are part of this local body, your other titles go. There's some people who are CEOs who've come to church and start instructing the pastor. No, this is how you must run church. Just because you run a business doesn't mean you know how to run a church. Can I hear an amen? Okay. We lose all our other titles. There's a particular guy I know, and his wife is on a number of boards. She's actually a board member of one of the biggest organizations on the continent. And these guys are strong Christians, and they got involved in their church as ushers. And they're humble people. And the pastor of that particular church actually then saw them in a certain way, when he saw that, you these guys are serving faithfully. And then the usher then said, I mean, the, the pastor then said, you know what, you guys are really great and said to, said to this guy's wife, you know what, um, we need someone who can be a secretary for the church, a secretary for the church. Can you please come and assist us? And he thought he was doing her a favor. That's when it then came out that, you know what, I'm actually a director on these boards and that kind of thing. And now this guy, the pastor, I think, was embarrassed by that and so on. They said, no, it's fine. And then he said something interesting. He says, the way you guys carry yourselves, I would never have thought that. Are you following? Just because you have a high-profile job out there doesn't mean you can't be the person who's helping with security. How many of you know that we need a lot of men helping with security as the kids go to uh, the bathroom? Amen. It doesn't mean that when you now come to church, you now have to be on some financial advisory board, you know? Yeah, pastor, you know what I think? Yeah, you're doing a good job, pastor. Yeah, good message. Yeah, it's right. Like you are my mentor. Amen? Now, this is what happens in church. 
People have to understand you are always in authority and then under authority. When I'm at home, I'm in authority. The moment I get into my vehicle and I'm driving on the highway, I'm under the authority of the Houting traffic police. When they stop me, I can't say, but you know who I am? I can't say that. When I go to my kid's school and they say, we've got new rules in terms of parking. You can't park here. You have to park there. I have to listen to that security guard who's telling me that because I'm under his authority. Amen? A lot of people struggle switching gears. So when you are a servant, you're the same as Jesus, aren't you? We watched a wonderful movie the other day uh, called Robert the Bruce, just about Robert the Bruce, King of the Scots. And at a certain point, uh, they were fighting a particular army, right? And he was digging trenches with his men. And the opposition or some people who didn't really like him, they came and they said, which one here is Robert? Which one here is your king? And it was such a powerful moment because the king was there just digging trenches. So you couldn't actually tell. And so we're not those churches where it's obvious who the pastor is. Are you hearing me? Okay. Do you remember what happened with Jesus? Do we think we are better than him? The guys who were trying to crucify Jesus, it wasn't obvious who Jesus was. That's why they needed to get Judas to identify him by kissing him. Because he blended in with his disciples. Amen? I'm talking about servant leadership this morning. It wasn't like Jesus was there with special robes and all his disciples were there following him and they lifted up. You know, like when someone is the bride, like Cindy was recently, okay? And then someone is like behind you, like making sure like, you know, your robe is all fine and so on. He blended in. Amen? As God raises you as leaders in this church, blend in with everyone. Amen? You know, when you're a servant, you're always looking for opportunities to serve. You fo your focus is on adding value to others. Amen? I love this. Matthew 20, 27 to 28. Isn't it powerful? And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. How many of you want to be great? Jesus doesn't say, don't wish to be great. He just says, here's the key to greatness. Put yourself last. Amen? Put yourself last. You know that if your expectation is very high with regards to everyone serving you, you know those places where everyone is always like dancing around someone, oh, can I do this? Oh, can I do this? Can I do this? You know, I'm talking about going the extremes. You'll be very disappointed because you'll go to places where no one knows you and no one serves you. You know what I'm talking about? Because the thing is, we're not heroes everywhere. Come on, we're not heroes everywhere. I go to certain places and I'm respected, like shocked by the respect and the honor. I go to other places and people don't know my credentials or anything. And someone will just come up to me. Yeah, I know. You know what you should do? And be sharing revelation with me and not asking me any questions. That's good. It keeps us humble, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, because what the word of God actually says. Yeah, what the word of God actually says. You know those people who can't have a conversation with you without preaching at you? Okay? Number four. Let me, let me say this about servant, servanthood. I remember meeting a particular billionaire some years back. The husband, the family, they're, they're one of the wealthiest people on the continent. And what's interesting is she said the type of missionary that God is raising up today is someone who's comfortable being in the Buckingham, in Buckingham Palace, yet at the same time can be, and she mentioned a particular shanty town, right? Where there's shacks and that kind of thing. That's the type of missionary God is raising up. I can be comfortable in a five-star hotel, and I can also be very comfortable in a rural area with menial facilities. When we were growing up, every holiday without fail, we would go to my rural home. That was holiday for us. And my parents were working parents would leave us there for a few weeks. And people would lie to us. They'll say, are yeah, you going back now? You're going back home. Then we'll be like, when are they coming? Like, Don't worry, they'll come tomorrow. Tomorrow come. Ah, no, 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 they'll come tomorrow. And we'll be there because we're now bored and we'll now be looking there at the road, just seeing next car coming, next car coming. Because we had, you know, done enough herding cattle and doing other things. Okay. 
So I can, I'm very comfortable in rural environments. I'm also very comfortable the other extreme. Amen? The type of missionary God is raising up in this day is someone who can go plant churches. Some of my favorite places to preach and to activate revival is the townships. When I'm preaching in whether it's Daviton or Soweto and those kinds of places, deep, uh, the eastern part of the DR Congo. I love it. People are responsive. People are humble. Not saying you guys aren't, okay? I'm just saying I like that. Okay, don't be offended. But sometimes with affluent people, it's a different dynamic. That's why the Bible says, Jesus himself says, it's very difficult for a rich person to enter the kingdom of, of heaven. Number four, the uncommon volunteer is first dedicated or devoted to God before their ministry. Make sure whatever area you're serving in doesn't stop you from worshiping Jesus. In worshiping Jesus in terms of prayer and song. Amen. One of the things that happens is a lot of times people increase their devotion when it comes to serving in church, but they decrease their devotion when it comes to other acts of worship. If you're serving in Go Kids, make sure that you're always listening to the word afterwards. Sometimes I send the message. I always try to do so. I send a link. I'll have a couple of you saying, thank you, pastor. Thank you. You know, sometimes it's Emma Banda. She's usually a good responder. Sometimes Tankisho, thank you, pastor. Then I know, yeah, those people, I know Emma and Tankisho, yeah, they're going to listen. I don't know about some of the others. When you're serving, make sure your acts of service don't stop you from feeding yourself with the word. Amen? Let's go a bit deeper into this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 4 to 5, it says, Begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. In other words, they were begging Paul saying, can we please be part of this giving endeavor to help the churches give? Many of us only give when we're asked to give. Then he goes on to say, and this, not as we had expected. So it was uncommon, right? But they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. So God wants us to give ourselves to each other. But the order is we first give ourselves to the Lord and then to other people. And those are the easiest people to work with. Because when you rebuke them, when we, when we say to you, you need to up your game here. If you've already given yourself first to the Lord, you're not offended. Because you want to give your best to the Lord. Amen? Did everyone get that? The easiest people to work with are people who give themselves first to God and then to man. The people who only give themselves to man, do you know what happens? When that man falls, you fall with them. When that man falls, you fall with them. Because that's who you've given yourself to, not the Lord. Amen? They were begging to give, not to get. Most of us, when we beg, we are begging to get something. These guys were begging, saying, can we please be involved in giving to the other churches? Please, please give us this opportunity. They had a revelation. Do you think they were just doing it because they just have so much compassion? Yes, they had the compassion, they had the love, but they had a revelation, that covenant with God. They knew the power of giving. Amen? They were begging to give, not to get. How many of you remember what JFK said? John F. Kennedy, in his inaugural speech. How many of you remember the famous line? Fellow Americans, ask not, what can your nation do for you? But rather ask, what can you do for your nation? Right? So I'm going to say the same thing. Ask not, what can your church do for you? Ask, what can you do for your local church? Amen? Imagine what would happen to the effectiveness of this church. Look how many people are here today. Imagine every single one of us in this room is actively fulfilling God's purpose. We'll be a force to reckon with. You know what the sad thing is? The Pareto principle. You know the Pareto principle? 20% of the people in a church are doing 80% of the stuff, of the work, of the service. It's the same with giving very often. 20% of the people 
are giving 80% of the budget. Amen? What would happen is if each person was truly discipled to a point where we're saying we've given ourselves first to God and then to you guys. Extremely powerful church we'll have. Amen. Okay. So here's my question to you. Here's my question to you. Are you growing in him? Yes, some of you are serving, but are you growing in him? How many of you can raise your hand and say in the last year, like since January 2018, I've grown spiritually. How many of you can raise your hand? I'm seeing some hands. I see that hand. 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 Nice. Nice. And I've seen the evidence of some of it because I'm looking at some of the people who've raised their hands and I'm thinking where you were January last year and now. Yeah. Okay. I agree. I agree. Okay. Or are you serving without filling yourself with his word? Let me ask the question in another way. Are you a Mary or are you a Martha? You guys understand the context, right? Okay, let me read it to you. Luke chapter 10, verse 40 to 42. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. She was actively serving, right? But how many of you know that you're serving, even in a local church, can be a distraction? He says, but Martha was distracted with all her preparations and she came up to him and said, you know what I find interesting? She was not aware that she was distracted. Here's the catch. Sometimes serving in your local church, you can be deceived while you're doing it because you're thinking I'm really impressing God. I'm really impressing God, but you're actually distracted. And she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? You see, sometimes you can volunteer in a local church setting and then become self-righteous. You can volunteer in a local church setting and think you're better than everyone else because you're doing so much. Amen? Yeah, I got some of you. I've located some of you here. Lord, do you not care that my sister... She was actually on the border, borderline of beginning to be offended with God. Can you see that? Lord, do you not care? We could stretch that a bit. Lord, I actually don't really think you care because you're not really noticing all the stuff I'm doing. And you're just chilling there with Mary. Amen? Do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? How many of you often feel that way? Then tell her to help me. Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. I like Jesus, eh? He says names twice. How many of you do that? Jordan oh Jords. Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary. This is a word for some of you. You have to figure out what's the one thing that's necessary because you are worried about so many things that aren't necessary. Then watch this because God actually has priorities. And what does he say? He says, for Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. I want to encourage you. Let's serve, but let's remember the good part. Amen. Let's serve, let's prepare things, let's do wonderful things, let's do media, let's do sound. Let's be a luazi and be everywhere. But let's also remember the good part. Because if we only do the preparations and the service, heaven is not applauding, ladies and gentlemen. Heaven is not what? Heaven is not applauding. Our ministry must be birthed in intimacy. Pure ministry is birthed in intimacy with Jesus. Amen. Number five, the uncommon volunteer represents his or her leaders well. When you're serving as a small group leader, you're not representing yourself. You're representing? You're representing your leaders because someone put you there. And we are representing Christ as best as we can. Amen? 
So when you are teaching the children, you can't just come up with any doctrine. And by the way, we get to hear because our kids tell us, right? You can't just think up anything if you're not sure that this is what we teach and this is our practice in this church. Because that's now what we call substitutional leadership, not representational leadership. You're substituting yourself and your own ideas. Amen? I remember in one church years ago, people in the particular small group began to complain, saying, yeah, we don't agree with what the pastor is teaching. Yeah, the pastor is teaching this. And then the small group leaders joined in. And they were like, yeah, no, yeah, me too. Yeah, I also disagree with the pastor. Can you see what's happened? That small group leader was no longer representing his leaders. He was now representing himself. Amen? When you have something that you disagree with, maybe something that comes from the pulpit, something that is preached, your job as someone who's a volunteer, an uncommon volunteer, is to come and have the dialogue with the leadership of the church and say, what's your stance on this? Can you give me clarity on that? Amen? If you reach loggerheads and it's something that's so crucial to you, then you should rather say, you know what? I'm not going to represent you guys well if I stay on in this church. Therefore, I think I'm going to go somewhere else where they believe the same stuff as me. And then we will release you. Amen? Then staying on, but you're always whining and complaining behind the scenes. How many of you would go and complain to people about your spouse without your spouse knowing? They're nervous giggles because some of you are guilty of it, okay? But how many of you would do that? Would I go around and say, oh yeah, e Pastor Vim, e, do you know what Trace is doing? E, but Trace. It's the same thing, guys, in the local church. Leadership is representational. It should not be substitutional. Did everyone get that? Okay. And we are very open people. I think you've seen we're very down to earth. We can have conversations about things. <laughs> you must just come with your facts. You must just come with your research. All right. First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. It says, for this reason, I've sent you, I've sent to you Timothy. Now, did he just send anyone? He says, I've sent to you Timothy, my son whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He'll remind you of what? He'll remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what? With Timothy's own theories, which agrees with what I teach. Who? Paul. It shouldn't be complicated in this church now, okay? You don't have to do mental gymnastics. Which agrees with what I, Paul, teach everywhere in every church. Amen? There's a time some years ago where we stepped down from a particular church that we were pastoring. That was part of a movement because there were certain things where the people we were reporting to, we had certain differences, that we felt, you know what, this is such a great ministry, it's such a great movement. There's so many things we agree with. But on this particular thing, it's now becoming tricky for us. Because people are coming to ask and say, what about this? What about this? We don't want to speak ill of those people. So we can no longer fully represent them. So I think what we need to do is to step down, have someone else lead in that environment. right? And this is after bringing up what those issues were. This is years ago. Okay, don't try and do mental gymnastics now and so on, right? Is everyone following? So when I say to you, if you disagree with some of our fundamentals or certain aspects, talk about it. It's something I've done. If you can't be in agreement, step down. Amen? And go somewhere where you are in agreement. No ill feelings, no issues. It's all good. We will be in heaven together one day. We'll just say we differed here and differed there. It's fine. Otherwise, what it does is it brings the spirit of division to a local church. Amen? And we need to protect that. Number six, the uncommon volunteer is clearly identifiable. Clearly what? Identifiable. As you leave this place and you go to the shops, there are certain values we have as a local church. We must be able to identify that this person is a go person because of their lifestyle, because of how they carry themselves. Amen? 
You know what I like? In Acts chapter 4 verse 13 it says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. It was clear that these people are a disciple of Jesus. Amen? So firstly, you have to be clearly identified as a Christian when you're out there. With some of you, ask yourselves, is my lifestyle so clearly Christian that people can pick up there's something different here? When we were at Varsity and we were part of a particular church there and we were radical, we were radical. My wife will tell you, uh, Pastor Vim will tell you, when guys went after the girls in our church, unsaved guys, you know, trying to get our sisters. Amen? They knew. They would come to us and ask us questions about the sisters. Right? Hey, what about her? Hey, what about her? Hey, but we know with the girls from your church. Hey, but no, we can't. We can't. Because there was a standard. And they were known for that standard. Amen? So unsaved guys were afraid of going after our sisters. We didn't mind. Okay, we felt like yeah, we're the safe brothers, you know, it's cool, it's cool, it's cool, right? Because of a value system, a code. So they have a distinct culture. They're not ashamed of their identity in Christ. They like to be associated with their church. Some of you, you're always wearing branded shirts of your soccer team, even if the shirts aren't nice. Now, let's be honest, some of, the, some of these soccer shirts, they're not nice, but you'll still get into it. Why? I mean, you see the colors clashing. They clash with your jeans. They clash with everything. But the person is so proud. <laughs> you know, Barca, Barca, or whatever team it is. But a lot of them aren't that nice in terms of the colors. The colors. Amen? But you want to be associated with it. How many of you want to be associated with your local church? Some of you spend a lot of time inviting people to that club you're a part of, a country club or soccer club. Guys, come. You're a good evangelist for it. But when it comes to your local church, didn't Merciful and Charlton look great with their go shirts just now? You know what? I've got good news for you in the next couple of weeks. We've got a new batch coming out, new design, 29 model. I'm 20. 19 model coming out you'll see them you'll see them very nice don't be ashamed of wearing them uncommon volunteers are more concerned about being clearly identified than looking pretty for some of you when you come to church you never wear those shirts because you're more concerned about wearing that nice perfect outfit that you bought i'll stop there So when necessary, they're branded and they're not ashamed about it, right? We're going to be giving you business cards, church business cards, to invite people to specific events. Don't be ashamed. Amen. Number seven, the uncommon volunteer is always prepared. The uncommon volunteer is always what? Prepared. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Do your best to present yourself to God. This is such a powerful revelation. Presenting yourself to God. Just go and study that. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. How many of you know that there's power in presenting yourself to God? As a leader, do you let people give you their best? When they give you things that are shoddy in your area of involvement in the church, do you say, is this your best? Have you truly presented yourself to God? Now, in the context of Timothy, it was in the word. You needed to be thoroughly prepared. What does that look like in your world? It might mean coming to church 30 minutes early so that you can be prepared. You can't say I'm a door greeter, but you're pitching up when first-time visitors have already arrived. Are you hearing me? Can I go there? Okay. No, we, we're going to need to be strong. Sean has been very consistent in that area, but he's going to be part of the Joburg Church. Who's going to step up and be strong in door greeting? 
Preparing yourself is where you say, I'm an usher today. And therefore, this morning, I'm going to pray that I have anointed greetings, anointed handshakes. Lord, I'm believing you that each person I greet this morning is going to be touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? If you're someone who's into worship, who's singing here in front of everyone, there are things you do, there's things you do with your vocal cords beforehand, amen, to prepare yourself. There's thorough preparation that goes into learning your songs where you're not mixing up words when you're on stage. Are you hearing me? Okay? Those of us who preach, there are things we need to do in order to prepare our messages. So here's my question. Are you prepared as an uncommon volunteer? I like what it says in the New Living Translation. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. I like it in the King James, actually. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the, work of tr the word of truth. In 2 Timothy 4, verse 2, he says, I give you this charge, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. This is very powerful. Don't just be prepared because you've been asked to preach. I was taught years ago that whenever you go somewhere, even if you're visiting a church and you haven't been asked to preach, always take, you might be going to another country, always take a five-minute version of your message, 20-minute version, 45-minute version. You just split it up. Because there'll be times you go somewhere and you thought you were going to do a 45-minute version. And they say, ah, we've run out of time. Can you just share with us? You can't go up in front of everyone and then say, ah, uh, last minute. Uh, yeah, there's a problem because I've only got the 45-minute version. Be ready in season and out of season. Amen? It says be prepared in season, out of season. You can't say, ah, no, I'm in the hair salon and there's this sick person who's asking for healing, but no, I'm just having my weave done and uh, oh, uh, there, there isn't background music playing. You know, I like it when the anointing flows in church and there's background music. That's the only time I can pray for the sick. Are you hearing me? In season, out of season. We get so caught up with atmosphere, don't we? Oh, 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 the anointing comes when my sister, Tendai, starts singing that song by Hillsong. Oh, when she hits that chord. Ah! That's when I know healing will flow. So what will you do if you have to pray for the sick out on the street? Will your sister Tendai be able to sing that song? Amen? Be prepared in season and out of season. And let me say something. Music and worship helps, eh? With the flow of the anointing. A lot of times the glory levels go up and it's easier to do certain things. But prepare yourself so that the power of God is so strong in you that it doesn't matter what the context is. It can be a corporate setting and the power of God hits people. Amen? It can be a setting where there are people from a different religion all around you and you challenge them. Why? Because you're a God carrier. You're carrying the glory of God wherever you go. Isn't that powerful? Amen? Okay. So these are the things that you can do. And they're things that, they're, they're things that you can do that God wants you to master. Do you know what these things are? The uncommon volunteer is prepared in the word. They're prepared in prayer. They're prepared technically. This is important for where we're going. They're prepared in that they come on time. And for them, on time means they're early. Amen? Not just in time. This is not, you know, those of you who studied management, this is not just those just in time theories, JIT. Okay, it's not that. That works when you're manufacturing. doesn't work in church. Amen? They're flexible and they can do things last minute if the situation warrants. If the pastor asks you to do something last minute, like to come up here, please, bad etiquette is to get up and to say, I was only told five minutes ago. You know, some people do that and then they make the pastors look bad. Like we just sprung it up on you because they're trying to save face. Like, that's why I'm not so prepared. Just so you know, I'm usually better. But these guys just only told me five minutes ago, be so thorough and prepared that we can actually just say, Jordan, can you come up now? Can you please just share with people what happened last week? That breakthrough. And you're able to do it. Amen?
Number eight, the uncommon volunteer is always getting better. In Hebrews 5 verse 12, it says, In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you still need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. So these people were supposed to have progressed in their walk with the Lord. But here they're being told, you guys, you're supposed to be teachers, but some of you still need to go back to basics. Let me ask you a question. Are there any of you who feel convicted by this this morning? You feel convicted because you've been a Christian for a long time and you should be a teacher by now, but you're not. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to grow and to keep getting better. What are some of the principles here? The uncommon volunteer is continuously improving and getting better. This year, you're a better usher than you were last year. This year, you're a better preacher than you were last year. Your personal development is the best gift you can give the people around you. Have you identified what your growth step is? In other words, that thing that you need to master in order to go to your next level. And let me tell you something. You don't have to wait for a seminar to learn. My wife loves roses. If you come to our house and you look at our garden, you can see wonderful garden, wonderful roses. But you know what I realized some time back? She wanted to know, what are these things attacking my roses and so on? I just found some stuff on YouTube. And she learned a whole lot just by watching YouTube in terms of roses and this and that. There's so much information out there. Are you taking initiative to get better? Amen? You know what I find interesting about this church? We've got some people who are the best specialists in certain fields, but no one makes use of them. If you want to understand medical aids, Charlton, again, I feel like I keep talking about their family. You know, that's, that, he's a specialist in that area. He understands that. That's, that's what he does. That's where he works. How many of us are constantly trying to figure out medical aids? Which one is the best one? How does it work? We've got people who are skilled in this area. I've told the sound guys, when we have sound challenges and sound problems, I've got access to some of the best sound engineers in the country. Yakubukas, Petro. These are people who've come and helped us here and have said, no, you don't need to pay, you don't need to pay. Some of the best sound engineers in the country. Amen? You know what we call this? These are your relational assets. These are assets you have in people around you. Are you maximizing on them? My wife has a master's in pharmacy. Her family members, her sisters will phone her saying, what should we give the baby? Can we give her this medication or this medication? How many people in the church do that? She's a lifestyle consultant. She's also trained in personal training and those kinds of things. I'm maximizing on that. I've been running a lot and so on. And I'll say to her, my love, that input you gave me was really good. My love, that was really great. Can you explain to me how calories work? What's the science behind calories? Are you hearing me? Other people are benefiting from some of the people around you, other people in the world. But you're not getting better because you haven't seen the treasure that's around you. Amen? What should you be doing by this time? Because the Bible says, by this time you ought to be teachers. What should you ought to be by this time? Don't compare yourself with other people. Compare yourself with your potential. What's your potential? Are you making disciples that are making disciples? Are you 10 times better than the magicians of Babylon? Remember, remember Daniel? He was 10 times better than the magicians of Babylon, him and his friends. Come on, guys. As Christians, we need to be better. We need to excel. And we can. We can. I've said to some of the people from Go Kids, I want to start investing in them as a church where we send them on conferences where they go to their next level in dealing with children. Amen? You know that the musicians here, some time ago, Jimmy, my brother Jimmy over there, the guy with the muscles and the tight white shirt over there. Mine is a, mine is a loose white shirt like this. This is the tight one. Okay. But my brother Jimmy over here, you know what? When he signed up to join the band, he didn't make it first round in the auditions. He was told he needs to work on his voice. He made special effort and he spoke to someone we knew who's a vocal coach, a good vocal coach in Pretoria. And he went for lessons and from there he went to another level. Such an example of saying, if I'm called to this, let me master it. And he does that in other areas of his life. When Jimmy joined the church, he was, yeah, he looked a certain way. 
And then he decided, I'm going to master this thing, the potential my body has. And he started doing CrossFit and so on. And now look how he looks. Amen. Bev Dubrain, one of the best vocal coaches around, is available for the band members. They now need to just make time and say, I want to book myself for sessions with her. Amen? I want to encourage you to know what your ministry shape is. It was developed by a powerful church, Saddleback, in the United States. Ministry shape. The S stands for spiritual gifts. Know what your spiritual gifts are. The H stands for heart. What's your heartbeat? How are you wired? The A stands for ability. Someone can say, ah, I love worship. Ooh, worship. But then you're tone deaf. So you don't have the ability. You don't got it. And it's okay. Maybe you're in another field. There's no shame in that. Just because you love worship, it doesn't mean you're called to lead worship. Is that okay? Okay, just because you like talking, it doesn't mean you're called to preach. A lot of people like talking, but they're not called to preach. So what's your ability? P is personality. There's some people who love counseling and they can do group sessions. Other people prefer one-on-one because of their personality. And we want to force them to do something God hasn't created them for. And then E is experiences. Sometimes you experience, you've had negative experiences in your life. You've been abused. You've been battered. And now God wants to take that and use it to his glory. You're taking revenge on the enemy. Come on now. The bad things you've experienced in your life, God wants to turn around and use for good. Sometimes that's how you know your calling. Amen? The Bible says in Ephesians 2 verse 10, we've been created for good works. He's prepared us for these good works. Isn't that powerful? Do you know that each person, they say, has 500 to 700 skills? 500 to 700, you've got them. Which ones has God called you to use right now? It was found that in the United States of America, 10% of the church members were active. Only 10%. The good news is that 40% needed or wanted a ministry, but didn't know where to go and where to be involved. Some of you, how many of you are in that space right now? You want to serve, but you don't know where. Raise your hands, please. You want to serve, but you don't know where. Tandy, I'm seeing your hand. I'm seeing your hand. Yeah, I've located you. I've located you. I've located you. (laughs) Okay. Number nine. The uncommon volunteer is fully present. You have to be present to win. You can't say I'm a volunteer, but I'm never at church. Church is a priority. If you've got business meetings and things like that, structure your time. I know people who love their local church so much, you'll see that they'll only travel Sunday afternoon. Whereas others will say, yeah, I'll see pastor if I can come. I'll see, yeah, because you know with my work what it's like. But they know deep in their hearts they can adjust things because it's a priority. You know that people are more likely to come to church when there's consistent presence of certain people. When it's the same dog greeter week in, week out, people will come. Because they see it's the same person. I was so blown away when someone from MTN, uh, one of my service providers, when they remembered my, the package that I was on, which I'd signed up for months ago, but the person remembered. I was so blown away when I was at Woolies the one day and I bought one thing for myself and the lady at the till said, and what about for the boys? Because she remembered that when it comes to treats, I'll always get three for my three boys. And of course I had to make a plan and get stuff for them. <laughs> Okay, I know I've gone over. Finally, number 10, the uncommon volunteer gives of themselves cheerfully. You're not doing it because someone is forcing you. You're doing it cheerfully. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, it says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And that giving is not just financially. When you give, like my wife mentioned earlier on, of your time, your talents, your treasures, do it cheerfully. Don't do it because people are forcing you. Amen? How many of you desire to serve God in your local church? I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit has spoken to you. If he hasn't yet, my prayer for you is that he ministers to you as you go from here and gives you clarity concerning where you can be involved. 
as we do it next week and people are lined up, if there's an area that doesn't fit you and you feel like, but mine is this, come and talk to us. And we might say, we don't do that in this church. Or we might say, do you not yet? Or we might say, we've just been waiting for someone to run with that section. Thank you. You're going to be the one who starts it. Amen. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's pray. If you're here, if you're here this morning and you're in a space where you're saying, I haven't had a right relationship with the local church. You felt convicted, not by me, but by the Holy Spirit. Where you're feeling like, you know what? I've been hurt by church. I've been bruised by church. I've been wounded. So Paul, I've become wary. I don't want people to know me. I just want to come on Sunday, listen to a good message that keeps me going, and then leave. This volunteerism thing. mm -mm. But you're saying, you know what? I want to make a commitment now that God deals with me at a heart level. Just raise both hands. I want to pray for you. Raise both hands to heaven. I want to pray with you. Maybe you're in a space where you haven't known where to be involved and you want insight because you want to be involved in the right area. Just raise both hands to heaven right now where you are. I want to pray a strong prayer for you. Maybe you're in a space in your life right now where you feel condemned. You feel you're not good enough. You feel like, ah, I'm not like these holy people over here. And the enemy has been playing games with your mind. Just raise your hands to heaven. You feel like you don't qualify. Father, you've seen your people and you see their response to this word. I pray, God, that each one of them who's responding right now would be rightly allocated. That you would actually handpick them, not men. And that they would discover their role in the local church and be so effective in what you've called them to. I pray for each person, Lord. I speak healing where there are wounds, where there's hurt. And I thank you for right relationship with their local church. In Jesus' mighty name. And the people of God said, Amen and Amen. God bless you. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap.